Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not a straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief, unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello and welcome to the Career Changers, the show that shares the most inspirational career change stories with the world. I'm your host Elisa Martinic and today we are going to talk about career change with Chris Whitfield founder of Miscarriage for Men. We will discuss his military career change from naval aviator in the Royal Navy to operation and compliance manager in the civilian world and what took him to create Miscarriage for Men. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the Career Changers. Hi, Elisa. Thank you. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. I hope you're good as well. Yeah, all good. Thanks. Um, so let's start from the beginning. Uh, what is your educational background? So um, yeah, I uh, I left school with uh, with G- with GCSEs uh, when I was younger, and uh, I'd always wanted to to join the military. Um, when I when I left school, I actually started working for a shipping company, the same company that I still work with now with the FDS. Um, and in um, during my career it was still something that I wanted to do and I, and I still wanted to join the military at some point and in 2008 uh, the opportunity came up for me to do that um, I decided to, to change and go and join the Royal Navy um, when I went there um, I done I only I only stayed for two years I'd done my basic training and then I'd done uh, my secondary training and uh, at that point in time, my daughter was born um, and I spent so much time away from, from my little girl um, that uh, I decided to, to leave the Royal Navy and come back uh, into the shipping world um, simply because I was away from her for too long and I missed you know, so much of her, her, her growing up. Um, so I decided to come, to come out of the Royal Navy and rejoin the shipping world. I started back with the FDS um, at, the, at the back end of 2009 um and uh, i very quickly moved through the ranks with my company um and became agency manager which was uh, responsible for the operations of the vessels and then from there i've just developed the role and now into operations and compliance manager very similar to what i was doing previously 
um, but I'm now responsible for both passenger operations and freight operations out of Newcastle for the vessel that sails into Holland. Hmm. So um, was, was, the, um, was joining the army your dream when you were a child or were you fantasizing about some other careers? No, I am. I, um, my my, my great-grandfather was in the Royal Navy. He served in the Royal Navy during the war. Um, and it was something, you know, that I found fascinating at the time uh, in terms of what he went through. And uh, I, I found a, an old diary from when he was still alive in terms of uh, things that he actually he actually done when he was on tours with the Royal Navy. Um, and ever since then, I was always fascinated with uh, with the military career. And, you know, if it hadn't have been for the for the birth of my daughter, I probably still would have been part of the Royal Navy. Um, it was it was one of them where, you know, it's a fantastic career to get into. Um, it's hard work when you first get into it. You know, it's a complete um, upheaval of your of your life and what it is that you have to do in, in order to pass the, you know, the Royal Navy tests. Um, but but other than that, you know, it was fantastic. And while I was there learning, uh, learning a trade at the same time, um, it was great, you know, and I met some fantastic guys when I was there um, and some of them who I'm still in contact with now. Um, but yeah, it was, it, you know, it was great. And it's certainly something that I would uh, that I would advise any young person who has an interest in military uh, to, to, to go forward and do it, whether that be the, you know, the Army, the Navy or the Air Force. So I guess you got the opportunity to travel the world when you were uh, in the Navy. Uh, how did that change uh, your perception of life? I didn't, I didn't actually do any traveling while I was there. I actually was just land-based here in the UK. Um, but, um, you know, with my current job, um, I do a lot of traveling um, all around the world, different countries. And it's, um, it, it, it's interesting because it, it, depends, it depends on how you handle it, you know, because a lot of people um, will get homesick very easily depending on how long you're away for. I mean, you know, in the Royal Navy, you can be away for months at a time. Um, being away from your family. And that's that's the difficult part, because even though I, I was based here in the UK, um, I didn't come home a lot uh, during the first year that I was there. Um, it was a case that I, I spent a lot of time actually at the base where I was. Um, so I didn't, you know, it's all good and well trying to have a, a family relationship via video messaging, but it's just, it's not the same. You know, my daughter was, you know, 16 weeks before I eventually uh, seen her again from birth. So that was, you know, that was difficult. Um, and I think it depends on how you handle it. And that was one of the big things for me was, was that at that point in time, I was still young. I you know I was 21 years old and it was a case of that. I, I wasn't ready, um, for what the Royal Navy could offer me at that time. Um, like I say, it might've been different had I not had a, a family, but, um, you know, at that time, my daughter was just young and I'd spent so much time away from her and I felt like I was missing, you know, the best years of my life, albeit, um, you know, I was trying to better, better myself for, for my family. Um, it was a case that I was just missing out on so much. Uh, so I decided to come back home to the Northeast. Hmm. What transferable skills did you learn from your experience as a naval aviator? Um, and how did they help you in your new career? So the, the big thing for me was actually was actually learning about vessels because when I when I worked for the company who I'm with now, uh, the first time around, I basically uh, I was uh, shoreside, so I didn't do a lot with the vessels other than the operation of it. So it was more loading the vessels. Whereas obviously when I went to the Royal Navy, you get to learn the ins and outs of vessels and what you should be looking for. Of course, I went through sea survival skills as well, which uh, which also helped. 
And um, the, the the qualifications that we were doing at the time was learning how to repair life rafts and things like that. So it was a case of, um, you know, in terms of transferable skills, uh, coming back to the job that I'm in, uh, it meant that I could assist the ship with certain little bits with regards to um, if they had an issue with life jackets or if they have a, a, an issue, you know, with their inflatable uh, lifeboats and things like that. Um, it was being able to give them some advice. But, you know, our guys on board the ships, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're top class at what they do. And the engineers who are on board our ships, they will just handle a lot of it themselves in terms of repairs. So, but you, you, you can learn many transferable skills, not just that, but actually dealing with stuff yourself. I mean, a 21 year old, I, you know, I, I still, I'd lived with my parents for a long time and then uh, going straight into a, a long-term relationship and having a child. And it was, it was one of them where I went away and I had to start from basics again. So, you know, you're, you're washing overalls in a sink, you know, you don't have washing machines or anything like this. Um, you know, you have to do everything by hand and more so from a discipline point of view as well. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not disciplined, you'll soon have that knocked into you because, you, you, you know, you have to be you have to be everywhere at a certain time. You have to be pristine in pristine condition. And, you know, and if you're not, then they'll make sure that you're that you're ready for this. So coming away from that, even when you do your first eight weeks basic training, um, you learn so much about yourself and you even in them first eight weeks, you mature so much. Mm. So what do you think are the biggest challenges military people face uh, when changing their careers? Um, I think, you know, the, the, the big the big thing about it for me was was how would I be accepted back in the, in the civilian life? You know, because um it's all good and well having a lot of these transferable skills. But the thing is now, I think a lot has changed from previous years because depending on what stage you're at you're in your military career in terms of whether you've, uh, you know, whether you've been in war zones and stuff like that, um, a lot of it coming out, you know, there's a lot of guys now who you see who have, you know, things like PTSD and stuff like this. Um, when, you, when you're coming back out in, in the civilian world, um, a lot of companies now are looking for people with a military background you know a lot of security jobs now that are that are available you know in airports and things like that if you've got that military background um it probably stands you in better stead than what than what other jobs do so i think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, a lot to gain from that in terms of having that military background uh, for when you come back into the civilian world especially with the trades that you learn as well mm. and did you get any support in your career transition uh, from military to civilian life uh, I would have done, but um, because I had already worked at DFDS previously before I left, um, I had still some good contacts from here and they knew what I'd been doing and they knew um, the, the roles that I'd been in before. And because I was quite, uh, quite high up in our local business at the time when I left. Um, so they knew what I could do and what I could bring to the company. So in terms of um, coming back to DFDS again, um, you know, I knew there were some jobs going, so I contacted them. And because I'd done it previously, I felt quite comfortable coming back into the same scenario that I was already working in. So when I left the, when I left the Navy, for me, it was about um, being able to go back into the shipping arena again once I'd left. Mm -hmm. uh, so you recently started a new project uh, called Miscarriage for Men with the aim to provide emotional support to men that are experiencing miscarriage in their lives. How did you come up with this idea? Yeah, so the, the miscarriage for men, um, it came from um, me and my wife suffered a miscarriage in, uh, in early February. Uh, my wife was 12 weeks pregnant at the time. And um, 
my 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 focus was on my wife. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that she was that she was in the right frame of mind, that she was getting the support that she needed, and as part of that, um, I found myself struggling with my own mental health a little bit. And um, what I wanted was I didn't want professional support, but I wanted a platform to be able to have some sort of peer-to-peer support whereby I could speak to guys who were going through the same thing or had been through the same thing that I was currently going through um, and just to, you know, to get some advice in terms of how they dealt with things and how did they move forward and, and actually take the time to grieve, but also make sure they were there to support their family. Because, you know, like I say, I have my daughter who's, you know, she's 12 years old now and obviously she's from a previous relationship, but this would have been mine and my wife's first child together. Um, and I needed to make sure that I was strong enough to be able to support both my wife and my child. Um, and that was a challenge. And, the, you know, the hard thing with it was, was we were doing this during a pandemic as well, which, you know, doesn't make things any easier. Um, but I, I found myself making sure that my wife was all right. And then on a on a night time, I was then, once she was asleep, looking for, right, where can I find this peer-to-peer support? And it was just something that I couldn't find. And um, there's some fantastic charities out there with the Miscarriage Association, Tommies, um, you know, all these guys are all fantastic at what they do, um, but they didn't have the thing that I was looking for. So I took my grief and I, and I turned it into the platform, Miscarriage for Men. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to put my story down in words, what, what I'd gone through and what I'd dealt with. And then I wanted that to be able to be a support realm for other guys who may be looking for a similar sort of assistance. And I think, you know, the big thing for me was, was if I could just help one other person, then that one other person might want to help one other person. And it took off overnight. I mean, we, you know, we, we started it four weeks ago. Um, I put a, a post on LinkedIn advertising, you know, what I was doing and what I had created and a little bit of my backstory behind it. And in the first 24 hours, you know, I had 10,000 likes on the on the LinkedIn post. And, you know, we're now here four weeks later and we're over 3 million views of the of the, of the LinkedIn post. We've had over 50,000 visitors to the website um, and over 600 people who've actually subscribed to the website in order to be able to post on there and share their story. And I've probably answered around about 1,000 direct messages in them four weeks as well. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, through your experience and uh, your new community, how are men affected in their daily lives by miscarriage? I think this, I think this is one of the big things that's that's been overlooked because you know there's always been this stigma that guys need to be you know the strong, the supportive one, and and I fully agree. You know the, the focus should 100% be on the female. You know it's their body who's going through it. They they've got to go through it both physically and mentally. So I fully agree that they should have the the, the full support there. Um, but I think what, what does get overlooked is, is that um, there is a there is a, a, a mental anxiety as such that that comes with this, whereby because you're being so strong and supportive for the, 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 the female, it sometimes gets overlooked. And I think, you know, everybody expects the man just to get on with it and uh, and just deal with it. And I think that's where the where the harsh reality comes into it because Miscarriage itself has a stigma attached to it. You know, there's not enough support out there for women, never mind guys. And I think one of the big things that comes with that is trying to break that stigma. And the problem we've got is, is people don't know how to talk about miscarriage on a day-to-day basis. So of course you find yourself getting to that point where people will come up to you and go, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then there's an awkward silence because nobody knows what to say next. And that's what I'm trying to, 
get across is is that it's it, it's it's all right to talk about it and it you know if the person who's going through the miscarriage wants to talk about it just be there as that supportive arm and just say look i'm sorry for your loss if you want to talk about it let's grab a coffee and you know we can have five minutes about and talk about it um and i think that's the big thing so the guys who've been coming across to to my platform have came across and said you know i've bottled this up for 20 years and i've never told anybody about it you know and i'm thinking 20 years of not talking to anybody about it and even just putting those small little paragraphs down in the in the blog and saying what it is that they've said has lifted that little bit dark cloud that's been sitting over them for 20 years. And that's frightening that that it's it's taken this long for this sort of platform to come about. Yeah, it's so inspirational. And it seems your courage to open up allows other men to do the same. Um, because as you say, this is a topic that uh, is not discussed enough uh, for women as well. But I can imagine how it's sort of a secret topic for men. So at the moment, the, the, the website, the community you have created is, 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 is very recent. So what type of support um, is Miscarriage for Men offering at the moment? So at the moment, we are offering a peer-to-peer -peer support service whereby, you know, we tell them that we're not professionals. If they need professional help, we can give them links to where they can get professional help. Um, Moving forward, um, we do have um, some therapists and counsellors who wish to come on board and assist us, and they are willing to do uh, live Zoom calls at the moment. And post-COVID, we will look to do some community outreach meetings. And even if that's just a bunch of guys getting together and having a chat in a room, you know, if we can lift the, if we can lift that stigma just that little bit and we can get the, the word spread that, you know, it is okay to talk about this. It filters into other stuff because a lot of stuff that comes with the, the agony of miscarriage is, you know, it will push you to have that stress factor. It will push you to have that anxiety moment. And this is why we've, we're currently collaborating with a few different groups at the moment um, in terms of trying to get everything together as a collective and just say that, you know, it's, it's all right to talk about mental health and it, you know, it, it is all right to be able to speak out and talk to people and share these experiences of what you're going through. And it might be that they don't need professional help. It might be like me where they just want to speak to one other guy, you know, who's going through the same kind of thing and ask each other, you know, how did you, how did you get yourself out of this scenario or how did you take that next step? And if that's just by talking to like-minded people, then so be it. But if they do need professional help, we do have contacts who they can get in touch with, uh, where they can get the professional help that they need. Mm -hmm. So it's all very recent and I guess it's moving quite quickly. So do you have uh, clarity about what are the plans for the future? Um, at, the, at the moment, my, my next step from here is um, I'm going to have some more people come on board as, uh, as minister, administrators because I'm just a I'm one man band at the moment. I just do this by myself. Uh, moving forward, we're going to have some administrators. I've got some um, some guys and some females who are uh, who are based out in America and Australia who want to get involved. Um, you know, so the, the, the next aim is to move to be, the 20, to be a 24 hour platform whereby we can actually have people who will be online 24 hours a day and be able to assist each other in terms of just being there as a talking platform. And then moving forward from there, the next step will be to see um, how we move forward with doing, you know, some community outreaches or at least um, helping out in terms of being able to offer uh, assistance to people um, through grief counselling. Um, it won't be us who do that direct because we're not qualified to do that, but we actually have some grief counsellors who will come on board and who will assist us with this. Mm. 
Um, so uh, you have maybe answered to this question a little bit uh, um, earlier on, but what does this project represent to you, especially um, for, uh, I mean, what, how it can evolve in the future? So for me, I mean, the big, the big thing for me was, was I created the website for myself, you know, and I expected maybe I'd get one or two people come on there. I never expected to be as big as what it is right now. Um, the, um, the, the platform itself, you know, it took off overnight and, uh, and I, never, I never for one second expected it to, to, to be as, as big as what it is. Um, you know, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be able to put down in words my story and I found it easier writing that down rather than actually talking about it. Now, I've got a very good support network. You know, I could ring my best friends. Um, I could ring my best friends day in, day out. I could ring them any time of the day, you know, and they would pick up the telephone and they would answer it. But not everybody has that support network and that's what I want our platform to be. So if they need to speak to somebody and they can come on and they can do it anonymously, they don't have to give their name, they can give a fake name. It's not a problem. And if they want to come on and speak to somebody and just ask, how do I deal with this situation? We will give them advice based on our scenarios where we were. We wouldn't ever give professional help because that's not what that's not what we're about. And like I say, going back, if they needed professional help, we can get them, we can point them in the right direction and we can put them in touch with people who that is. The next thing for us, I think, is... Um, we will probably become uh, a fully fledged community group because of because of the way that it's gone. Um, you know, it was the the website was set up with a, with an ability to just be able to to be there for people. And like I say, you know, I never thought for one second we'd get over you know sixty thousand people who would join the website. You know, that was um, never ever to be expected. So you know, the big thing for me is is that it's proven that we we need this sort of platform. You know, and if this goes on to bigger and better things and, you know, we have proper companies out there like the Miscarriage Association and Tommies and stuff like that who decide to run with this sort of platform, then so be it. You know, I would fully support that because at the end of the day, you can never have too much help. That's the big thing. And that's why we're, that's why we're quite happy collaborating with anybody who's out there who runs similar sorts of projects, whether it be for men or women. We're happy to support, we're happy to support that and we're happy to share links to each other's websites. That's not a problem. Um, you know, and we'll probably go down the route that we will do some outreaches with these guys who already have these platforms in place. Mm. Uh, so how can our listener find you uh, or Miscarriage for Men? If they're looking for... So if they, want, if they want to get in touch with me, they can, they, can find, they can find me over on LinkedIn under my name, under Chris Whitfield. Um, if they want to get in touch with Miscarriage for Men direct, they can go to www.miscarriageformen.com or they can go on Instagram or Twitter uh, and find us there as well. We have the, the direct messaging open on both them platforms also. Um, on, uh, mis uh, on Instagram, sorry, we are uh, down as Miscarriage for Men. You'll find us with that handle. And on Twitter, it's Miscarriage for Men, but with the number four, as it wouldn't accept FOR in there for some reason. And do you have any last advice you would like to give to our listeners if they have to deal with this um, very sad yeah. in their life? Yeah, if you're if you're going for this, you know, feel free to reach out for us. You know, we're 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 more than happy to share our stories. We're more than happy to to give you some advice and point you in the right direction if you find you're struggling with that. The biggest thing for us is is just talk to each other. That's the that's the key message here. If you can get yourself to the point where you're able to talk, um, that's that's the key starter because 
the, the token opens up the emotion. And once you can start lifting those emotions, that's where you start to lift that little bit of a dark cloud that's over you. you know, and if you find yourself that you don't have someone to talk to, reach out to us. We will get back to you as soon as possible and we will, we will be in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing your career change story and your experience uh, um, with miscarriage for men. I'm sure our listeners uh, are going to find it very useful. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. Bye.